I, I think that we, we manifest ourselves in the path of these experiences to have the experiences. And when you take judgment out of it, being around people that pass away, sometimes in, in very shocking ways or unconventional ways, if you will, that's an experience that we have. And when you pull the judgment out of it, it is just that it's an experience that we have. And if you have that experience and move through it and gain clarity from it, then you have expanded in that process. Which also brings me to the story that I was going to share with all of you, but I decided to wait and save it for the podcast, our second edition of our mastery podcast, as we were talking about death and accepting death and even celebrating death, that, that crazy idea of celebrating our transition back to non-physical as opposed to treating it like some horrible, awful, terrible thing that should never happen to anyone, which is a very ironic way of being considering that it's something that we're all gonna do. And detuning the, the fear and the judgment around someone that we care about transitioning. So really diving deep into that. But my story is, is not quite so deep. So I had, I had my own near-death experience this weekend. So as you, you all know that are on the podcast with me, but you listening, I'm back on keto. I went off of keto. I started baking. I started eating carbs. I started getting weight during COVID. And I'm refocused on my wellness now, refocused on my health, and I'm back on keto. And I love being on keto. Once I get off of sugar and off of carbs and off of grains and all that stuff, I feel so much better. I'm happier. I have more energy. I lose weight. Everything is great. But one of the issues is I also do fasting. And Saturday, Michael and I were out shopping in the shopping center uh, we had to get together at our house and we were out shopping uh, and there's all these stores, there's World Market, there's um, Michael's, the craft store, and then there's TJ Maxx. I love World Market. So we're in World Market, this is not an ad, and we're in World Market shopping and we come out and Michael wanted to go into TJ Maxx, which is you know not one of my favorite stores, but we went in anyway. And right before we went in, I bought some pork rinds at World Market uh, for this get together because we can't eat chips, but we can eat pork rinds on, uh, I don't particularly love pork rinds, but just to have something to snack on, I bought these pork rinds. So anyway, we were fasting and it was getting around time to break our fast, but we weren't ready for lunch yet. And Michael's like, here, let's open up these pork rinds at the, the, the car. And so I eat a couple of pork rinds and I realized I don't have anything to drink. So I'm in the desert eating pork rinds with nothing to drink. Immediately I start choking. And I'm breathing choking, but choking nonetheless. So I'm coughing and coughing and coughing, can't stop coughing. We walk into TJ Maxx and I can't, it's just not stopping. And he's just walking along like it's nothing. I'm just coughing my head off. And of course, you know, walking into a business today during COVID, coughing, people just stop and stare, you know, they're in terror. So I'm coughing and then it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And I'm like, I can't stop coughing. This stuff is like sawdust stuck in, stuck in my throat. So I dart out of TJ Maxx. They're trying to get me to go out the, the right door. I'm like, no, get out of my way. I've got to get out of here. I'm choking. <clears throat> and so I, I go out and go into the next door store, which is Michael's. And then there I went in through the exit because I saw a machine that had water bottles in it by the checkout. And this, the horror on this poor woman's face is I walk in coughing and walk over the water machine and just start guzzling a bottle of water right in front of her 
was pretty funny. But the funny part of the whole story is just imagining the headline or my obituary where it said that I died choking on a pork rind in TJ Maxx. <laughs> so, you know, I am like, from the South. While These your beloved was in the, in the home deco section, right? <laughs> So am I the only one here who's going to make the Buddha reference? Buddha died choking on a piece of pork. <laughs> oh, you know. Oh my God. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. That's that's hilarious. Well, somebody called me the Caucasian Buddha not long ago. Yeah. So maybe it was meant to be. Exactly. Maybe that it happened. The modern day, the modern day Caucasian Buddha <laughs> choked to death on a pork rind at TJ Maxx. Oh my God. <laughs> the thing that would make it better is if I was still living in Florida and it could say a Florida man choked to death. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. So that wasn't really a near death experience, but it felt like it for a moment. It's really awful to have that something like that going on and there's no water, there's no beverage anywhere uh, around. So um, yeah, my, my apologies to TJ Maxx and <laughs> And Michael's. <laughs> I did pay for my water and she was really nice after I paid for it. But yeah, she was really terrified there for a moment. Who is this crazy person coming in here stealing water from us? So in our last podcast, we were we were talking about radical appreciation. So moving to that source perspective of radical appreciation of all things. When I'm channeling the stream, I feel that. I feel that radical appreciation of all things. I know what they mean. I know what they mean by they're not judging anything that happens in our environment. That judgment is a human condition, if you will. It's a 3D thing that we create from our ego. And there are certain things that it's, it's easy to judge, but the thing that does baffle me a little bit is, is the way that we judge the death experiences negatively. So I really want to sort of dive into that. We've talked about this. Uh, this is a mastery podcast. So we've talked about this entire mastery, going deep into that source perspective of non-judgment regarding everything. And the reason we, we go into the topic of death is because it seems like the things that we judge the most revolve around the potential demise of ourselves or others. And it wreaks havoc on our happiness in our lives. We live in fear of death and live in fear of harm that could lead to death. And it holds us away from experiencing joy in our lives. So we all talked to the stream. Well, Stacy wasn't present for the last uh, powwow that we had, but the rest of you were. And we went through a meditation that was sort of <laughs> half David and, and, and turned into channeling ultimately and went into this, this exercise, this meditation of allowing the light to shine through what we would consider a very negative experience, such as the death experience of someone that we really care about. So who wants to sort of dive into this topic and, and share your perspective on that? I'll go first. Um, uh, sorry. Um, okay, sorry, I'll go first. Uh, 
because I've talked often about being in boot camp and experiencing that with my mom. And so um, after that, there have been days where um, I miss her so much, which brings me down the spiral and tearful. And um, through the mastery teachings, I am able to sit with those feelings for a moment and, and just miss her for a moment for, you know, however many minutes, but then I can move right into appreciation and, and almost um, instantaneously start finding things that just make me laugh. My mother had a, a wonderful sense of humor and um, a, a beautiful view on life for the most part. So I can think immediately of a story or something she will have said to me and, and it'll bring me into laughter and remind me of the beautiful connection I can have with her even after she's gone. And, and the only way I can connect with my mom now because she's moved on to her complete estate is being fully in appreciation and up my spiral. And so that helps me detune that um, what is grief period of um, where I've seen in the past. And I remember when I was young, my father passed away and I felt like the grief would just, it was like, I felt like I was being hit by a truck time, at times that I would literally fall on the floor and just my heart was breaking and sobbing. And I didn't have the tools to move out of that until later. So I spent a lot of time really missing my dad and in that grief and it's not healthy. It's not a good place to be. Um, and I don't feel like they moving to their complete state would ever want us to feel that. I believe that they would want us to stay in the lightness of it and the beauty of it. And now knowing this is a weekend trip and we're probably going to meet again eventually, but to stay in that connected source connected. So I can still have a relationship with my mom it's just different and that's where I've come to and especially after this last mastery really detuning the the grief and the fear around losing her and possibly losing anyone else in my life and even myself um, because I feel like I live each moment now with such clarity and joy and adventure some spirit than being afraid of what if I die? What if this happens? What if that happens? So that's kind of my take since the last mastery meeting. Very nice. And I like that. And I love your story of your mother's transition and how you, with your Taya practice, that that was a, a an amazing experience for you as opposed to something that was stressful or sad or I like how you share that. And it's very inspiring for all of us. Kat. Um, I had kind of almost the opposite experience. Um, I, I guess I believed for a long time, for good reason, that death sort of surrounded me. Um, I, when I was younger, I was in India and talked to one of those, um, like the people who read your astrology charts and he was one of the best. And he said, you have like, like your death is, I don't know how it works exactly, but like the stars and the different houses and I had death like very prominent 
surrounding me all the time. And I did like from a young age, I witnessed a lot of death and like having um, one of my lovers murdered in front of me and having to identify another lover's murdered body and things like that. So I was exposed to a lot more pretty brutal death um, from a young age. It gave me a very different perspective on death than I think a lot of people have. <laughs> Not I think, I mean, I know it did and like losing a child. And so like there was a lot of death in my life um, and I never, viewed it quite as negatively as I think a lot of people did. I had a, a weird piece around it. And um, I guess I kind of thought I really had it like together <laughs> and like really had it figured out because I handled this so well because people would say to me like, yeah, I feel like you could just lose everyone you love and you'd be fine. And um, I didn't, and I even had like, I was pretty comfortable with my own mortality. I had a couple like pretty intense near-death experiences that I was like, okay, so death doesn't scare me. And it didn't. And I can honestly say that like, it doesn't scare me even now. However, when I came into like through Taya boot camp, this didn't come up, but then when I got into mastery and I had a meeting with the stream one day and they said, and they actually said this again in the group meeting that a lot of you uh, will fear losing someone you love over your own mortality. And that kind of struck a chord with me because I realized um, it wasn't necessarily that I handled it all that well. It was that I shut down and um, never really like I'd made peace with it. But I also had this kind of wall thinking like, well, you know, if I have more children, if I ever get married again, like finding love, I keep people at distance because everybody dies around me. And it wasn't until I got into mastery that that was something I finally realized I needed to detune that, you know, maybe they will, <laughs> and that's okay. Or maybe I will die and that's okay too. There's no judgment, but there's no need for me to have this emotional wall to not let people get close to me because I think everyone who does is going to die. So for me, it was, there wasn't the fear there coming in, but then there was realizing there was this underlying wall that I had put up around death that I have, I'm still in the process of detuning. I wouldn't say I have, but um, it's definitely a process. But that was a huge, huge thing that I'd never even considered until the stream brought it up. Like, <laughs> like it's, there's no need to fear or anticipate what will happen. Cause you know, I mean, like, what is it? Newt Scamander in the Harry Potter movies is <laughs> worrying only means you have to suffer twice. So, so there's no reason to anticipate this because whatever it is that happens is the perfect version and the best possible outcome. And like everything is perfection in itself. Beautiful. And I, I think that we, we manifest ourselves in the path of these experiences to have the experiences. And when you take judgment out of it, being around people that pass away, sometimes in, in very shocking ways or unconventional ways, if you will, that's an experience that we have. And when you pull the judgment out of it, it is just that. It's an experience that we have. And if you have that experience and move through it and gain clarity from it, then you have expanded in that process, which is why we have these experiences in the first place. So Taya is obviously all about moving to a mindset 
of how we live our lives in physical and understanding that it's ex expansive experience after expansive experience after you know manifestation after manifestation of really allowing the universe to pamper us by detuning the fear and judgment of the stuff that we've been taught that we're supposed to judge and fear. And, and death is a big one. And what would be labeled a brutal death is, is certainly a big one, but it's just an experience. If we're all eternal beings and this physical body is simply a vehicle that we're taking on a brief trip through a physical experience, then that takes the pressure off of what's supposed to be you know, a life lived according to society's template. And we're moving way away from that. I think all of society is moving away from that. And some people at a different pace than others, certainly, but we, we see those, especially in the Taya community, we're really reflecting back and questioning all of it. How much of this is just because I've been programmed to think this? And it's just amazing as we peel away these layers of judgment and, and fearful teachings how much of it is just social programming and how much more joy is available to us when we don't apply all of that stuff to our lives. Stacy. Yeah, it's really interesting to just listen to my fellow mastery, uh, you know, participants and myself. I had a very similar experience um, with death over my lifetime where the people who were closest to me that died, my father had brain cancer. Um, he struggled for six years. When he died, I, it was really clear to me he was choosing his way out. He was a very dedicated father, uh, married to my mom, who was an alcoholic. He didn't believe in divorce. He was true to till death do you part. That was his way out. I got, I got really crystal clear, and it was very hard at, when, you know, when I'm in my early 20s to relay that to anybody. Then when my mother chose to take her own life. She drank herself to death. Um, my brother who found her and his wife were on the front lawn just bawling. They were in tears. I had to hide behind a friend of mine because I was laughing hysterically. She was finally free. She was finally free from the hell that she had created here on, on earth for herself. And I hid that. And again, it was like, that wasn't okay to experience in front of other people. Um, especially my brother, I think he would have had my head there at the moment. Um, just recently when my dear friend passed, uh, again, it, he made it really clear to me that it was his choice to go. I think the thing that was most difficult to deal with with my mother and he was the, um, the lack of finality. Those questions that you had that never got answered and coming to terms somewhat like detuning that I would never have answers. And that that's just the way it was for them, that they needed to make that exit in that way at that time. And that it had nothing to do with me, it had nothing to do with any outside circumstances, but solely what they were experiencing within themselves. So it sounds like just listening to Carrie and Kat too, it's like, wow, Elisha, I'm really interested to hear what you have to say next, but we've had such amazing experiences around death. It's so not surprising for me to be sitting here with you guys. <laughs> All right, well, I guess I get to compound all of that. Um, my first death I experienced was when I was three and my stepfather shot himself in the head and I remember his funeral. Um, so that was my first experience with death was at the age of three. 
Um, and then from there, there's just been lots of different deaths from friends being killed in car accidents to um, my best friend having a heart attack in the airport. And I didn't call him back to the, the 4th of July weekend. And when I was listening to all of you guys, what I was thinking about was uh, for a lot of the deaths that I experienced, I learned something. I learned something about being human. Like I learned to call back when somebody calls if I love them rather than going, oh, I'll call them later because they can have a heart attack in the airport and there will never be a later again. Um, I have a tattoo on my arm that says love to the max because I got to work with my best friend's child who lived for eight days and got to learn that there is no guarantee of life. No matter if a baby is born absolutely healthy, it can die eight days later for no reason whatsoever. And that um, death is always lurking in every moment, in every corner. And then um, I guess I thought I was blasé about death. You know, when my mom died, um, I had asked her all the questions that I wanted to ask her. And so I was ready for her to die. And it was even funny on her deathbed. I asked her the name of my father and she was just like, nope, I'm taking it to my grave. I'm not going to tell you. So even when you get the chance to answer, ask all of the questions that you want to ask. And the only thing you have left to say is I love you. They can still choose to take your father's name to their grave. So, you know, boom, there's, it is, you know, it's personal and it's not personal. Um, and then I chose to fall in love with a Navy SEAL who every time he left, the conversation was that he might not come back. And I thought I would be okay with that. Um, and that death brought me to my knees. That, that death took me to darkness. That death actually brought me to mastery because all it took me to a place that none of the other ones had ever taken me. And I realized that death and drinking and drugs weren't an escape for me in this lifetime. I, my mom tried to commit suicide and I watched her try and commit suicide and God didn't, or the universe didn't let her. And when she wanted to die, she didn't want to die. And it was just like, wait a minute, you know, you wanted to die all this other time and now you're finally dying and you don't want to die, you know? And that taught me that when we die is when we're supposed to die, that it doesn't matter how we die, it's our time and we will not die before that, no matter what we do to ourselves, whether we try and drink ourselves or shoot ourselves or jump out of whatever, that we're not going to die until we're supposed to die, however it is that it's supposed to be. Um, and the conversation with mastery about death was really interesting for me because I had had all those experiences. I had worked through Kai's death, through mastery, to learning, to the fact, to this greatest appreciation that he died serving his country. And for somebody who was a Navy SEAL with three Purple Hearts, who had lost so many friends, that was a perfect way to die. So who was I to want him to grow old with me and sit on the front porch? Like, well, that's no, that's not a way to die if you're a hero, or maybe it is. But I realized that we write our deaths and everyone else does too. And so we have to allow that because we're just a co-supporter in their authoring of their own lives and their own death. And then we had that conversation about death 
with the stream. And that night I had one of the first panic attacks that I've had in 20 years. Like I thought I was gonna die and I was literally ready to die. Um, but it was really interesting for me what came up in my moments of thinking that I was gonna die for four hours was I was in class when it happened and I ran out of class because I was afraid I was going to die. And then I ran home and got in my bathtub and was alone. And then my thought was, fuck, I'm going to die alone in the bathtub. And I started thinking, I was like, well, why did I just stay in a yoga class and die in a yoga class? If I'm going to die, then why did I run away to try and be alone? And it made me realize that, you know, I've always thought about that. If we imagine our demise, our life will lead us to it. But if we run out on our lives, then we will die alone. You know, if we feel like we're going to die and we separate ourselves from those that we love because we're afraid of dying in front of them or afraid of whatever's happening to us, then we are alone and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy to die alone. And so for me, the conversations of death and then the panic attack about my own death and my own taking me, myself out of a place and into my own place made me question, like, how do I really want to die? Do I want to die alone in a perfect home by the beach with the, my, my, my thought was, well, my house is clean and I'm in the tub and I'm clean and my dog is fed and, you know, it'll be, it won't be that big of a mess for anyone to clean up, you know, <laughs> sex toys are put away, like paperwork, whatever, you know, but I realized like, do I really want to die alone? And if I don't want to die alone, it means that I have to stop running away when I feel weak, when I feel vulnerable, when I feel as though I can't handle what's going on for me, rather than this default programming of I can handle it, I'm going to deal with it myself. It means I have to like reach out to someone or something or stay in that environment and just be okay that if I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And would I rather die teaching a yoga class and have that be what was said is like, oh, she died teaching hot booty yoga or she died alone naked in her tub. Like, <laughs> so for what, me, it, I think hot Buddha yoga or hot booty, hot booty, hot booty, B-U-T-I. <laughs> I, I literally, yep. I literally teach something that's called hot booty <clears throat> yoga. <laughs> you probably get more students than you would with hot Buddha yoga, right? probably <laughs> or we get a different well we get we get different ones for sure the hot, the hot ah. so have you heard our guided meditation source connect it's the most popular guided meditation that we offer and i'm offering it to you right now for free if you text the word awaken to 760-284-7665 that's awaken to 760-284-7665 you'll receive access to this guided meditation that takes you on this amazing journey to your natural source connection. It's completely channeled by the stream and backed by beautiful acoustic music by Christo Polani. In addition to that guided meditation, you also get access to our free Facebook group and other Taya tools. So text the word AWAKEN to 760-284-7665. This is only available right now in North America. So if you're outside of North America, join our free Facebook group, the Taya Practice. And you can gain access to this guided meditation there as well. Thanks for listening. I'm, I'm just sitting here wondering while we're all talking. It's like, is death the last true act of vulnerability as a human being? Because you're talking. I think so. Isn't that interesting? It just kind of came across my mind when you were talking. So. 
Well, because there's a vulnerability of um, how you're found. There's a vulnerability that your body is going to excrete everything in it. So that was my even thought that I had. I'm like, oh, well, you know, I haven't had that much food today. I'm doing a cleanse. You know, I'm in the tub. I'm not going to be that messy. You know, you know, when someone finds me, there's not going to be that big of a mess to clean up. And I've already cleaned and the house is clean. But yeah, there's that vulnerability that people are going to go through your stuff. They're going to read your journals. They're going to find your sex toys. They're going to notice that, you know, if you didn't clean your toilet or whatever, these things that we, you know, keep to ourselves if we live alone or. Yeah. So I think there's this vulnerability in um, and that final letting go of this body, you know, that last gasp and how safe, how safe do you feel to 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 release to to just let go and and let the body expire literally or or do we run from it do we hide from it do we drug out from it you know or do we want do we push everybody away from us you know yeah the stream has said recently about death that they said this in the book actually the first book the stream book and it's come up again lately since we have all this talk about death lately that one of the things that has disrupted the physical well-being of humanity is that we don't return our human bodies to the earth. We have this idea that our body is supposed to be sacred and preserved. So instead of burying them in the dirt, literally, uh, we're you know being cremated or we're being placed in a coffin and, and being preserved in some way that is really separating humanity's flesh and bone vehicle from feeding the earth from which it came. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting. It is interesting. My husband uh, and I created a business called Rock the Afterlife. And that's exactly what we were doing was returning people to whatever place they are. In fact, we um, delivered a woman to the, uh, the Sequoia National Park. Um, my husband says he wants me to take his ashes if he should die before me to the top of Half Dome. So <laughs> we would get hired out to do this for people. But yeah, that's that's really ashes. Ashes are ashes are bodies. Because bodies and ashes are two different things. Yeah, ashes because bodies are a little harder to carry around. <laughs> yeah, you might need a special permit to, stream, to take the. Because the stream is talking about bodies. Yeah, the stream's talking about. It, it, we haven't really. You can all ask them about cremation at some point. Yeah. I, I think that's kind of come up. And again, they're not coming and saying this is what you have to do according to the stream's teachings. These are the rules. They're never about rules ever, ever, ever. Taya is not about rules, but it's, it makes sense though, that for humanity, the natural state of being is that in most cases, our bodies would simply be returned to earth. Hmm. We would fall dead in the wilderness and something would eat us and everything else would decompose and become dirt and and that's, that's a more natural progression, although our current day society doesn't really allow for that. Uh, you know, I know that there are cultures that still do that, mm-hmm. where there are bodies out in the wilderness. Um, and, and I have a greater understanding of that now. But, you know, in, in Western society, you really don't do that. You get cremated or you get buried somewhere. And the whole idea of a graveyard, thinking about how the stream frames it, is just such a such a sad thing people taking their bodies trying to preserve them and then trying to have a a monument to what was perhaps in this field full of that but i think i was gonna say that your word monument 
brought triggered something about death that I realized. Um, and it, and it's funny that they have this monument because I think the hardest part about somebody dying is all the things you're not going to get to do with them. That's what we miss. We don't miss them. We miss this future of what we were going to do with them. We miss yeah, all the things that we didn't get so to do. so much time doing that, that you're holding yourself away from the appreciation of what was. So it's interesting that we would create a monument of this person that we go, you know, rather than just really letting it, letting it go. That was one of the things I got with the anniversary of Kai's death this year was just like that really letting it go. And that if I appreciated the time that I had with him and I appreciated his fulfillment of his story, his journey that was separate of our love that there would be, that there's no sadness. The sadness was like, oh, we didn't get to retire in Brazil. We didn't get to do this. We didn't get to do that, right? It's all of that future projection of when death becomes sadness or we get, or angry or any of that versus if we drop into the appreciation of what we had and the appreciation of the person, there is no future of not doing it, right? And that's that monument. That's what we get attached to is the, the future we didn't have. And that's the, that's the thing that really holds us away from the joy in our now. And all we have is now. Everything else is a, is a memory, a memory of the future or a memory of the past. It's, it's, it's our consciousness recollection of what we recall it being or what we want it to be or think it may be or fear it being. But then all the time that we spend in that, and I think it's normal to spend some time in that creative process, but then we're holding ourselves away from really enjoying the now and when we shift perspective to where everything that happens in life is just a block of experience, something that we experience in a block of time, and we're not needing to hold on to it. Think of all the things in our lives that we think we have to hold on to. We can't let go of this relationship. We can't let go of that house. We can't let go of that title or that job or that savings account. We can't let go of that. We've got to hold on to that. And what for? If it's holding us away from joy in our now, you're not fully trusting the universal process of creation and that something else better is coming along. And I'm 53 now and I've lived enough life to, to look back and see how many times I thought I had to have something that I let go of ultimately and something even better that I could have never even imagined replaced it, manifested in its, in its wake. So it's like, you know, these, these things flow through and we allow them just to be what they are in their moment and appreciate them just for that, whether they're people or circumstances or events or whatever, it's just an experience. You know, think of the relationships we hold on to because we think that there's nothing better out there. <laughs> Romantic. It and makes otherwise. us, it makes us horrible players is is what i realized is if it's like when you're playing a game with somebody and say they had a shitty roll of the dice and they end up uh, ended up you know landing on a block that they didn't like on and then everyone else went around their turn and you give them the dice again and they're still pissed off about the role that they had and then there there's no more fun versus like if we each if we roll the dice each day and it's a new block and we don't take in you know anything it, we become from it's a much funner game you become a better 
player to play the game with because you're not griping about or holding on to the last roll of the dice or what, you know, what happened yesterday or what happened 10 minutes ago. You're in, you're in this moment and, and rolling for whatever opportunity or chance that the universe is, you know, presenting in front of you. And I just realized like, it's it's the same when you play with people, like who wants to play with the person that's pissed off that they didn't roll doubles and you did like, who cares? Yeah, well, that's definitely life. We get an opportunity to choose to live in the now, fully experiencing every moment, enjoying it, relishing it, tasting it, touching it, smelling it. Or we, like you said, we can sit there and bitch about the fact that I didn't get X, Y, and Z. That is the ultimate joy stealer. And unfortunately, Uh a lot of society likes to live that way. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and it makes me think too about um, what you said about death and judging, judging the death experience. Like, am I going to, is my house clean? Is my, where are they going to find me? How are they going to find me? Again, self-judgment that we've been discussing um, that goes along with fear, fear of judgment of, of letting go. And it, it just popped into my head, the new meaning of the final judgment, which I was raised in Christianity and there was judgment day. I mean, which is what made my mom fearful of dying. She was so afraid to go in front of God and be judged for her mistakes. And I told her, no, it doesn't work like that. (laughs) That's not true. So the judgment of self, um, that really brought up a lot for me, Elisha. That was beautiful um, because leaning into the death experience versus fighting it which uh-huh. is kind of like your story, you know, oh my gosh, I'm not going to die in front of my yoga people. So I'm going to hurry and get home and die alone. Thank God my house is clean, you know? Um, and, and again, I'm so grateful you didn't. <laughs> We're very Me too. <laughs> but Me the, too. <laughs> but the, the self-judgment around that, I was like, wow. I mean, I, you know, I had that kind of near death experience myself. And the same thing, I was a hot mess. I had been so sick for days. And I remember trying to even get dressed to go to the ER. And I, w- and, and I was like, screw it. They're just gonna have to see me in my pajamas. I mean, I, I, I didn't even have the energy to get dressed. And, but there was some of that judgment of, you know, I told my daughter, I was like, call 911. Cause the same thing, I was like, I don't want her finding me and having to deal with all that. So mm-hmm. if they get me to the hospital, at least the hospital people will have to deal with it. And then they can call her, which is probably even more traumatic. I don't know. Um, I should have that conversation with her, but yeah, well, that's, that's what I, well, that's what I realized that we have these conversations that we think we're going to make this better, or we're going to do this. But what I, but from that zoomed out, and that's what I got from the zoomed out, like from the zoomed, zoomed out perspective, I'd rather die at my yoga class than die alone. You know, from a zoomed out perspective, you know, if we can zoom out on people's deaths, we can see the perfection in their story of their death. 
you know, it's not our, we, the, the problem is it, it wasn't our story of their death. It wasn't when we wanted them to die or how we wanted them to die. So we judge how they died or when they died or what we didn't get to do or the mess that they made or left or didn't do. Right? It's like in that final, that final judgment, but the zoomed, zoomed out, like, yeah, even if, even if David had choked on the pork rind, and died it would have been perfect because it would actually it would have been, been a like, funny oh, way to die right exactly and, and death is funny like if, if it's all a cosmic joke and we realize we have this great sense of humor like you know it just made me think of this one death i was at a rave one time and i've always had control issues so even when i do drugs do drugs i don't do a lot because i don't want to lose control i just want to be a little bit high but i still ultimately want to be in control right so I was at this party and I was on a little bit of acid and dancing and the DJ's going off. It's the stroke of midnight. And all of a sudden I just felt this energy shift and I looked over and the person next to me collapsed and went down and they had had a heart attack and died like boom right then right next to me they were sober as shit not on any drug whatsoever and it was just this like in my you know my state I was just like wow like you could die dancing in a heart attack and not be overdosed like and not yeah, not, not, not a drugs. bad not a bad way to go not, the, the funny thing about this judgment die. is when I was a kid I remember uh, my father used to come pick us up and, and take us back to his house in Houston it was a few hours each way in the car and my mother would always do something about making sure um making sure we had like clean underwear in case we got an accident just in case you died right and i, I remember thinking well if the accident's bad enough that someone's taking my underwear off of me i don't really care whether my underwear's clean or not i was a little kid thinking that <laughs> and as an adult i really I, I i am very much one of those people that once i'm dead i'm good i don't care about the judgment of other people coming into the house and how clean the house is and, and all of that stuff it just is what it is and we've all had these as we level up and uh, if you're listening to the podcast and you're, you're not a aficionado of uh, taya at this point don't be afraid taya is not going to kill you but those of us who do a lot of spiritual work and really work on adjusting our vibration and allowing more source energy in our bodies have to adjust to that so we have these experiences sometimes that, that doctors can't explain. And it does happen in a lot of spiritual practices where your body has to sort of adjust to this new vibration that's flowing through it. And it's just a, a shock that we go into that manifests itself as, as a near-death experience. It feels like we're dying. And then we come out of it and we're, we're higher than ever before as a result of it and clearer than ever before as a result. So most of us at the mastery level of the Taya practice have had this such experience and it, it does, it, it's, it's really bizarre, but you're very much at peace with it. But when you retell it, it sounds, oh my gosh, that's awful. I don't want to do this thing that's going to make me think I'm dying. It's, it's not that really, it's, it's an experience that you have that may cause some fear depending on where you are vibrationally in the moment and how much you've detuned the fear of death, because that's the thing. Have you detuned the fear of death and have you detuned the fear of being judged by others? If you work on detuning all of that stuff, then the experience is just no big deal. Because when I had a I gotta, recently, it just wasn't a big deal. I just, I kind of went away for a moment. Michael said I came back and was speaking in tongues <laughs> and then uh, sort of got quiet again and came back and I was fine. And it was a, a moment. It wasn't a big, long, you know, I didn't have time to get home and do all of that stuff. It was literally 
just a matter of moments that all of that went through. And I didn't know what was going on, but physically I ended up being just fine. It was just this shift of vibration that I had activated at a very unfortunate time, I guess, but <laughs> because we were out, we were at somebody else's house when that happened. I got a um, download on the biological level of how, of what that is that we're experiencing because to us, not to a certain degree, but every second, trillions and trillions of cells are being created. And every second, millions and millions of cells are dying. It's just, it's the big bang happening in us. And I've been journaling a lot and changing when I think about myself, changing it to my cells and getting out of this thought of thinking of myself as the self, but really as these cells that are just coming together in this vibration and this form, and that's malleable. And what I got when these downloads, when we're doing these cellular upgrades, the cells, literally the cells have to die for the cellular upgrade to make an imprint on the new cells. So if we're doing a massive downloading of that, it's like a massive cellular biological detox of cells. And on a biological level, because we're creating trillions and only millions are dying, we always have that moment for those trillions to overtake the millions. That's like instantaneous remission or any other type of instantaneous healing or, or body function, right? The cell upgrade has taken over the majority. And so there's a switch. And I think that what we're going through in mastery is literally that biological process of the cells that we call self or something dying because those cells held the old coat. Those cells had the old belief system. Like our issue, our issues are literally in our tissues. And if we keep getting rid of our issues that, you know, and we're working it through the tissues, there has to be the cellular upgrading to it on a biological gross physical level. Yeah. I think the important point that you're making too, is like the stream says about the, your, your consciousness creates your body and, and continues to create it over and over and over again. And that flow of consciousness, that expectation that we don't change that programming is what keeps us in the state that we're in. And when you want to change a state of, of physicality, really shifting the vibration is the way to do that. That's where miraculous comes in and, and all sorts of different things that express in physical. And I just got that this, you know, this tipping point, right? We talked about like the tipping point of consciousness, the tipping point of humanity waking up, but really this tipping point within ourselves, right? This tipping point between the old cells that had the old program and all the work that we've been doing and all of the new cells that have been being created with this new program. Like eventually there's this tipping point where that new code that we've been coding is so strong that it literally does like a defragmentation and a, and a dumping of the old cells. It's like the same thing we do on our computers when we put in an update and it goes, oh, we have to take all of this out and do all that. Like I think through Taya, through this continuous work and everything else that it brings you to change in your life from how you take care of yourself to the thoughts that you think, to the food that you put in your, you know, or the people, it becomes that cellular tipping point of upgrade, of literally upgrading to a, a, the new code that we've been talking about. 
Always oh, sorry. Looking for an no, that's good. Always. That's really good clarity. I love that. Absolutely love that. Yeah, that's really good. That's true. The, the stream has been saying very much lately that we are just, uh, you know, machines. Yeah, we're technology. We're technology. And, and I really, I mean, you know, there was a time where somebody would have said that and I would have thought that sounded so crazy. And I'm sure people listening think it does sound crazy, but think <laughs> of the perfection of our technology. It's so advanced that it doesn't seem like technology to us. What the reality is, is that the human created technology is, is racing to catch up to that, to a more organic version, something that is more automated, something that sort of has its own uh, focus and its own programming that is self-sustaining, like all of Earth. All of Earth, the whole thing is self, a self-sustaining, self-creating, self-expanding environment, and it's perfect. And I'm always interested in these, these people that talk about communicating with aliens and that the aliens are teaching us, and they're not understanding that alien life forms are alien to us. They don't have information. We're, we are the ones creating it. We have source in us. It's source. Source is in us. Source is in everything. Source is in all creation. And we are allowing source to emerge or reemerge across humanity in a way that we have been pushing down for centuries, more than that, millennia, with religious teachings and rules and all of these, you know, templated societies, all this social engineering. And we're coming out of that era. We're very clearly coming out of that era, kicking and screaming for sure. We're not already at the same pace to come out of that era. And again, part of being zoomed out to source perspective is really appreciating and understanding that every, every aspect of planet earth serves a purpose. It all serves a purpose. Even the people that we think are dark or evil or awful or, or whatever, however we want to label them, all of them are serving a purpose our expansion as humanity, as a planet, and as the entire universe. All of that expansion is coming from the experiencing of lower vibrational experiences, unwanted things, things that we judge as things that are not our preference, that always drives us to fix it, to create something new, expand in the process. And when you really zoom out and you start seeing all that is from that perspective, then the judgment is gone because they're, they're here doing their part to expand the universe. And those of us that are figuring it out, you know, the, the, the path to enlightenment, if you will, clarity is enlightenment to me, getting clear on purpose, getting clear on how the universe works, how the earth operates, how the self-sustaining environment recreates itself and expands itself all the time. That is everything to me, just knowing that and understanding that on such a deep level and we all have access to that information. But part of that is also appreciating the fact that not all of humanity wants any part of that or is ready for it. Or is it part of their, there's even judgment in saying they're not ready for it, but is it part of their intended journey? Obviously it's not for everybody. That's why this, this podcast and these teachings and, and all of this, this is for people that are, are aligned with it. If it sounds intriguing, if you take these teachings and implement them in your life and you see that it helps, you see that you expand in the process, then you're in the right place. If it sounds insane, then decide that it sounds insane. Turn it off. I'm the only podcaster telling you to turn it off. Turn it off. <laughs> well, I, I would like you. to 
yeah, I was going to say, I'd like to add, because this just, this over the weekend, this just came to me, um, was how Taya Boot Camp and your connection to source teaches you that one, you're worthy of your experiences, but you're also worthy of your uniqueness. That how boring of a world when we're all, we were all told, told to conform to a specific thing. And, and I always knew inside, I had that feeling that, no, this isn't for me. This isn't, this isn't who I am. And so going through Taya and discovering who it is I am and what I'm here to do and what my experiences are, are very unique to me. And that's what Taya allows us. Um, even though we all sit here in mastery and discuss, we all bring our own unique experience. And it's okay to have that unique experience because that's what we're here for. And that to me is the absolute beauty of um, understanding the Taya practice and, and learning this um, mindset of letting go of fear and letting go of judgment and letting go of the boundaries that we created for ourselves. How freeing that is to just be you, just be uniquely you and all that you bring. What a, what a fabulous place to live now with all these differences. It's so beautiful. Stacy, yeah. anything to add to that? I, no, that's awesome. I really love that. Um, I too, like Carrie, have never felt like I fit in. <laughs> and too, and I was just commenting um, over the last week and it was my birthday and I got so much love and appreciation from everybody involved in the Taya organization, students, masters. Um, wow, it, it's a fabulous community. So if you jive with what we're talking about, if you wanna expand and make your life even more, more perfect and wonderful than it is now if you want to find that place of inner peace and true connectedness that you know you know exists for you you know it in your bones it's not a question you know it you have found the right people to play with and we have so much fun doing it <laughs> all right well thank you taya masters this has been another fantastic episode i love doing these little special podcasts uh, where we're sharing the mastery level of the taya practice with the world everybody that's ready to hear it. So Kat, Stacy, Carrie, Elisha, thank you so much for joining. And we will see you all next time on the next Stream of David podcast. Thanks everybody. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the Stream of David podcast on your favorite podcast provider and leave us a review. And if you join our free Facebook group, The Taya Practice, each month, we give away a free one-hour session with a stream just for your posting, your review of the Stream of David podcast. Your feedback is very valuable to us. Thanks again.